how can I be more imaginative? Is it something we are all capable of? And is there anything I can do to practice it? So with imagination, it's something that's rarely lacking. It's something that usually we have lots of, but there are different types of it. So what you think of as imagination mightn't be exactly what you have in this present moment, but you probably do have imagination. And the reason I emphasize that is because very often the imagination is the problem. Very rarely will I hear a complaint, a difficulty, a challenge that somebody has where imagination isn't playing a significant part of the problem. Because when we have a difficulty, we tend to have uh, the capacity to think about that, to remember back on previous occasions when that thing was a problem for us, to feel some of the emotion around that, to think ahead as to what might go wrong, to anticipate that. And of course, that can be useful to an extent, to be forewarned, is forearmed to some degree. But the problem is sometimes we don't use it just as information. Instead, we get caught up in it and it becomes a bit of a cycle, kind of goes around as a bit of a loop. So to broaden it, I think is helpful because sometimes when we talk about imagination, people think of it just in a positive light or in an inspirational form, just in terms of getting great ideas, those light bulb moments or creative concepts. And certainly that is part of imagination. But really, imagination can be anything beyond the present moment. Just just the experience of what's happening right now. And it's easy, even when you broaden it, to include worries as well as positive expectations or great ideas. Even beyond that, it's easy to miss that it, it goes further than that. Because in the study of perception, which is a, a complex area, as I'm sure you won't be surprised, in the study of perception, and there are many studies of perception, many schools of thought, philosophies, forms of psychology, neurology, etc. But an important distinction which is sometimes drawn is between perception and apperception. So roughly, big topic, but roughly the distinction there is that if you see an object in front of you, there's a certain amount that's given in your sensory perception. So if you can see a box of tissues or something in front of you, you can see part of that box of tissues. You can see the parts of it that are facing you. You can't see the back of it, but your mind fills in the blanks and you assume it's there. You assume, if your door is closed, you assume that there is an outside world on the other side of that door. So you don't know that for certain. Things could have changed since you last came in, but you apperceive that. And you see sometimes that our apperceptions break down. Uh, you see this with illusions where it looks like it has depth, but then you move and it doesn't. It was just an optical illusion. So there are a variety of ways that the mind fills in blanks and it needs to. So imagination is really useful in that sense. So main point anyway is we're typically not lacking it. We usually have an abundance of it. Now, the question is, can we develop it? Can we train it? And the answer is most definitely yes we may want to develop what we might consider other forms of imagination. So coming up with good creative concepts, something like that. Or it might be that we want to just continue using our imagination in, in its present form, but a little bit more deliberately and purposefully. And it's interesting how this works because sometimes it's not even the work that's being done by the imagination. Sometimes it's even when it's, it's doing it. I, I've had situations where I've worked with people, creative people, and they've said, look, my mind is really helping me here. I'm getting great imaginative ideas, but at the wrong moment. <laughs> so the ideas were good, but they're, they're coming at a time which isn't helpful. 
Uh, sometimes it's a synchronization thing. Sometimes they're coming too late. This is the classic phenomena where you meet somebody, sometimes unexpectedly, and you have a conversation and they say something and you maybe don't have the best reply. And then an hour or a day later, you go, ah, I know exactly what I should have said. So the imagination is helping you, but maybe not on the timeline that you want. So it really is just like muscles in the body. There are any number of things that can be done. And I think the basic principle when it comes to training imagination is to simply clarify what you want and practice that. Clarify what you want and practice it. Because often what we're doing is we're thinking of what we don't want to happen and we're imagining that. So we're imagining a lack of imagination and we're practicing that. So there's not a lack of imagination, of course. You have those muscles, but you're simulating things going the way you don't want them to. And then... Unfortunately, you tend to get what you practice because when you condition yourself to feel that way, you end up overthinking it or just in that moment, you just, you know, feel a lack, a lack of clarity because you've never practiced clarity. You've either practiced nothing or you've practiced uh, anticipating the thing going wrong. And so your, your poor mind thinks that that's what you want because that's the thing that keeps going in there. It becomes a bit of a cycle. So sparking the imagination there's a distinction that's made between the concrete and the abstract sometimes and the concrete as it sounds is just the kind of the 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 hard exterior of the present moment just what you can see in front of you right now so kind of paradoxically one of the best ways to get ideas can actually be to get out of your head and into the present moment a bit more and look at what's going on around you to observe things to zoom in a little bit more to slow down often and to look carefully and closely. And when you do that, because you know, often we're not really seeing things, we're kind of glossing over them. But when you really stop and see, what tends to happen is your, your experience becomes a bit fuller. But what that does then is it sparks the imagination. Now, this is a common complaint in mindfulness. If you go to a mindfulness class, this is the number one complaint. Excuse me, I'm practicing the technique as you've suggested, but my mind keeps coming in and interrupting my presence. Well, that's because we're not really designed for presence. <laughs> we're, we have an imagination because it's designed to spark and to come in with ideas. Now, arguably for a number of reasons, we're probably using our imagination too much and not being present enough, particularly in... Uh, in modern times, the kind of lives that we live, the, you know, this is always a problem, I'm sure, to, to some extent or another. But there is definitely a strong argument to say that if you work with your hands, if you're out in the forest, if you're you know, a good old-fashioned farmer without modern technology, that you will, by definition, have to be a bit more present to get through the day. If you work in the mind a bit more, more thinking things through, abstract ideas, well then you, you end up kind of staying there a bit more because you are there so much of the time already. So stretching outside of that is useful. But sometimes we think that, well, hold on a moment, the mind isn't supposed to come in when I'm trying to be present. But actually that's one of the, the main things that can make it happen. Now, you can certainly slow down that and you can... Uh, give the kind of space whereby those thoughts don't really matter. And generally speaking, in most forms of meditation and certainly mindfulness practices, the goal typically in most schools is not to get rid of thoughts. It's just to be present, just to be aware, which can mean of thoughts or of no thoughts or of whatever. It doesn't really matter. The point is you're doing your job, you're showing up and just being aware. But 
This is the point. By being a bit more conscious and deliberate in the moment you're in, you will often spark interesting associations and ideas that come up, which hopefully have a quality to them. So, you know, there's no need to get rid of thoughts. We want to get rid of maybe an extreme busyness, irrelevant thoughts that are just there because of conditioned habits and aren't maybe useful to you. Those things, you know, if they're there, they're there, but we, we don't particularly need them. But good quality thoughts can be very helpful. So the concrete inspires the imaginary. If you think of it literally in terms of an architect who's walking through town and seeing buildings. So they're looking at, at the concrete that's there, which doesn't literally have to be concrete. But the point is, it's there without them needing to imagine it. They're seeing whatever they're seeing, and that's sparking then their imagination. And that imagination then means they'll go off, they'll create models, they'll do drawings, they'll, they'll kind of brainstorm it a bit. But then what they'll do is they'll take those ideas and they'll bring them back into reality. So they'll build a model, but then they'll also build the real thing from the plans. And that, of course, will spark their own imagination further and the imagination of other people. And that's why imagination, in, in one sense, is actually very much a shared cultural experience. You know, because, like, try being original. It's not really technically possible. You can have a, a form of originality where you, you know, don't explicitly rip one person off and just copy their ideas. You can draw from many sources. And, of course, you can reference and credit people and you can develop and build upon things. But, you know, imagine starting music and trying to play even one original note that's never been played before. I mean, every piano has, has the same essential keys on it. You're going to combine them in different ways. But, of course, you're going to go even further and you're going to be influenced by the music you heard growing up even on a very basic level, language. You know, what I'm doing right now is rather unoriginal. I'm using words you've heard before, hopefully. So, you know, those words are only useful if they're unoriginal. If I make up words right now, they're not that helpful. So th this is, is, is the problem, I suppose, is we kind of need to be unoriginal to, to some extent. But that's good, because what we could do then is use them as kind of Lego blocks those unoriginal ideas that we have, we can hopefully combine them in creative ways so people can still kind of get what we're talking about, but still be inspired in different ways. We can push different buttons. So that relationship between the concrete and the abstract is, is this ongoing dance, essentially. It's something that never ends. So if you want to spark your imagination, uh, stop imagining things and experience things expand your horizons as much as possible try and see things that you're not used to seeing you know break outside of your normal patterns uh, expose yourself to different forms of ideas it can be art it can be music it can be nature it can be different people and look differently at the things you're used to but also look at different things and all of this is likely going to spark your imagination quite a bit now, as your imagination is getting sparked, the other important thing here is don't filter yourself too much, at least in the first instance. We have a critical mind for a reason. That, that's useful. You can come in and then tidy up afterwards. But kind of in the, the first pass, it's very important you're not being critical. Now, by that, I don't mean that every idea you come up with is going to be amazing. There might be some pretty useless ideas, if we're being honest, but that doesn't matter because that's a kind of a clearing process. Come up with something that's, yeah, yeah, okay, maybe, yeah, and then a brilliant one. But that can only happen if you allow room for the first three ideas to flow. So giving yourself that kind of space is really helpful and literally just practicing.
you know, giving yourself a bit of room every day, time every day. Don't make it about pressure because if you're putting yourself under pressure, it isn't going to be helpful. But do do it, you know, say, so I don't have to achieve anything amazing here. I don't even have to spend a lot of time doing this, but I am going to sit down and stop. I'm going to take out the canvas. I'm going to take out the pen and paper. I'm going to go somewhere. I'm going to do something and I'm going to practice that creativity. It might be speaking. It might be singing. It might be writing. It could be absolutely anything. But when you're practicing that output in that flexible way, and then you're also being exposed to good ideas and you're moving between the concrete and the abstract so that you're experiencing things that spark ideas, but then you're taking those ideas and you're bringing them into the world. That is all good physiotherapy for the imagination. You've already got one, but you'll be able to tone it so that it's nice and fit and worked well for you. If you found this valuable, do like, subscribe and share. And what's your experience? Do you have any questions or topic suggestions? You can contribute in the comments on social media using hashtag BodyMindSelf or on JFL.com.